to, uh, to talk to you about. You know, last year, our, our theme for the year was, was reach, reaching. This year, God gave me a, a word, and honestly, I'll go back. It was in, uh, in September. I really started praying, God, where are we going for this next year? What is it that, you know, you want us to do so I could kind of get a, a head on planning? And now, honestly, this year, I, I struggled a little bit more kind of hearing what it was. And then this word came to mind. But the way it happened was kind of so gradual that how many in here ever struggled? Am I hearing from God or is this my own imagination? You see, I deal with that too. I just want you all to know that. There, there are times I'm like, God, is this you or is this me just creating something because I'm feeling the pressure of I got to have something. And so I'm praying on it. It's there. And this word amplified is kind of, and I find the irony in this to be great. It started small and it just started growing started amplifying. And I was still wondering, I'm like, God, is this what you want? Is this the word? Is this the theme for 2024? And so it was probably November by this point, and I'm in Lee Summit picking up uh, two of my, my children from school, and I'm stopped at a stoplight. And I'm in this moment, I'm like, okay, God, I, you know, I need some confirmation. Is this really what you want me to do? And sure enough, I, I pray that, and I look up, and there's a car coming at me from the other side of the stop sign. Not anything bad. He's just turning. But I look up, and the license plate, I kid you not, says Amplify. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, I got it. <laughs> I mean, what are the odds? And it wasn't like some, you know, base machine that's like getting everybody's attention. It was... Really, it's just kind of a normal car, but it just said amplify on it. And I thought, okay, God, I got it. This is what we're doing this year, amplify. So what, what does that mean? You know, because to amplify is to bring attention to and to empower something beyond its natural ability. Amen. To empower beyond its natural ability. So, you know, Paul's up here playing an electric guitar, and it's the perfect example. You can play an electric guitar, right, without an amplifier, but you're not going to do much with it outside of you can hear it yourself. But the entire point of an electric guitar is what? It's to amplify, make it loud, you know, to, to take what's being played and, and really broadcast it out to the world. That's amplification. And th this is one of the things as I was praying through this, I'm like, amplify. Okay, God, what is it? You're... Amplification is a major part of our lives. It is a major part of everything that we do. And, you know, when, when God puts a theme on your heart like this, you kind of start thinking about it and you start to see it everywhere. And, you know, one of the things, and, and my wife can attest to this, that I've always thought interesting. I've always thought really like bumper stickers. It's like your one chance to amplify something to the world, right? This is what you've chosen to tell the world. And it always, it always gets me like what people choose to tell the world. I love my pug. That's, that's, that's what you want us. Your one chance to tell the world something, this is what you want them to know. Now, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But, I've, you know, it is a very personal thing of what do we choose to tell the world about ourselves? Or what do we not choose to tell the world about ourselves? Because... 
Amplification. We, we got stuff being amplified towards us all the time. And then we choose to, to return the signal in some ways. And in all of this, we're trying to hear God's voice. And you know, even God chooses to amplify certain things. And so to kind of lay the groundwork for what we're going to be doing and, and what I want from you this year in 2024, we're going to look in John 16, the second half of verse 4 through 11. Okay, so Jesus is getting towards the end of his ministry. So he's spent years with his disciples now, a few years, and they're, they're talking and he's trying to prepare them for the crucifixion. And so he, he's teaching them things, and they're, they're just not getting it, okay? And they're not understanding the message. Now, the reason for that is because the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet, and that's what he's going to explain here. He says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Now, I want you to stop and think. What did he just say? He says, there are things I didn't teach you because I was here. Doesn't that seem like an odd thing for Jesus, the Son of God, to say? He's letting them know there are things you have not learned because I'm with you physically right now. And so he says, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment... Because the ruler of this world is judged. So there are things that Jesus chose not to amplify while he was with them physically. Now I come back to this because this is, this is of utmost importance. Those things would be amplified by the Holy Spirit after the resurrection. Right now, in this section of scripture, the disciples' grief is amplified so that they're not seeing clearly. He says, I've said these things. I'm going away. They're all so sad. It, it, they're not even asking him questions anymore. He's like, none of you ask me where I'm going. Now, they have in the past, but by this point, they're just not even asking anymore. Have you ever been so overwhelmed in life that you just kind of stop? You stop asking. You stop looking. You and it's not that you gave up. You just you don't know what to do. You know, that is fear and grief can become so amplified that the, the things in your life can be so amplified that you just, it drowns out everything else. And you know what Jesus tells him? He doesn't tell him to stop. He doesn't guilt him for it. He doesn't tell him how you should, you should be in a different headspace right now. I'm giving you good news. I'm telling you the best news you're ever going to hear. So be happy. What is it? He doesn't do that. What does he do? He says, nevertheless... He says, I know, I know what I've told you has you reeling, but I'm going to tell you the truth anyway. It's to your advantage that, that this happens because when I go, I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the helper. You see, there was a, a, a chapter shift in reality that needed to happen. The page had to be turned. 
And it was a difficult turn. It was going to be difficult for everybody, but it had to happen. And so their grief is so amplified that they are not really hearing this, but he tells them, it'll make sense later. Now, we all love that when God tells us that, right? (laughs) This will make sense later. And he tells them that. He says, what I'm doing now, you don't understand, but later you will. Sometimes God really does just tell us, wait. And it's not wait to be mean. It's that right now, you can't understand this. Later, this is going to make sense. The pieces will come together. And some of you may have been waiting in your life a long time. You're like, God, when are those pieces going to come together? I can't tell you when. But I will tell you, if God told you to wait, there's a reason. And that wait is a good thing. Because if it happened right now, you wouldn't be ready. You see, if Jesus just up and explained everything to them, they wouldn't understand and they'd be so confused they wouldn't know what to do. So he's like, I just chose not to even tell you. But don't worry, you're going to learn. The time is coming that this will make sense and you will understand this. And so he's talking about that once the Holy Spirit comes, things are going to make sense. Now here's the good news. That brings us to today. We live in a post-Pentecost world where believers have the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and the Holy Spirit was sent for very specific reasons. Jesus tells us here that there are specific things that the Holy Spirit is coming to do. Now, one, obviously, is to seal God's people in salvation, okay? Do not, for, do not miss this because the chief role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to seal us for salvation, to make us a new creation. Okay, we, the, the instant you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you confess him as Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. There's not some secondary feeling. There's not something you've got to do down the road to get the Spirit to come to you. You are saved because you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, Ephesians 1.13. In him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word, word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, we saw this happen in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles like tongues of fire. It's an amazing moment. It's powerful. Everything shifts in the New Testament. Everything in history and life in the world, reality shifted in that moment because the Holy Spirit came and dwelt within the believers. And what happened? The disciples went from being fearful and and not understanding and somewhat dense and, and timid to going out in the middle of a, a swollen Jerusalem because there were so many people there and boldly proclaiming the word of God and seeing 3,000 people saved in one day. It, it changed everything, uh, okay? And so God's spirit comes to live within us and it makes us new. Along with that, the Holy Spirit also serves some very specific and important functions in the life of a believer. And Jesus tells us in this passage in John what they are. Okay, so the Spirit amplifies specific truths. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, because these specific truths are where we are going to find the power of God. You see, Jesus didn't say he sent the Spirit so that you could be healthy, wealthy, and and live the life of your dreams and have everything you ever wanted because through Christ I can do all things. That's not what he said. 
there are specific things that he lists. And so I want you to listen again to verses 8 through 11. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. There it is. The Holy Spirit is coming to accomplish three things in this world. To convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. That is, that is laser focus right there. Okay, that is not the Holy Spirit coming to just grant people supernatural power over you know, all kinds of things and, and this power that we can just tap into and I can do whatever I want. This is, this is very specific. And so we as the church need to pay, pay special attention to this because it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work that the Spirit will empower. It is the work that the Spirit will bless. And it is the work that the Spirit will use. And if we want the Spirit to empower our ministries, then we have to join him in his work. You see, so many times people want to talk about, well, is, is, is God on our side? Is God on our side? Or we think God's on our side. We're good. You know, we're, we're his people. That's not the question to ask. The question to ask, and Moses asked it when he came down from the mountain, is who's on the Lord's side? Are we on God's side? And if we're on God's side, that means we adopt the things of God as our own. You see, we don't get to co-opt God and tell him what to bless. We see what God is doing and join him in the work. He's designing the house. He's the one building. And we come in and say, what do you need me to do? He's the job foreman. We don't get to redesign the blueprints. We don't get to add a room that we want. We don't get to redesign the room. He says, put this board up here and nail it to the wall. We do exactly what he said. And so, what does that look like in, in our lives? Well, he sent the Spirit to empower certain things. And to ask the Holy Spirit to empower something that is outside what he was sent by the Father and the Son to do is a waste of our time. I can pray till I'm blue in the face for God to empower something that is outside the work of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? It's not going to happen. And I think so many times that's where a lot of frustrated Christians live. is because they're asking God to bless something, to empower something that's outside the scope. And it may not even necessarily be a bad thing. Okay? We're just wanting supernatural power to be active in it. And he's like, that's, no, that's worldly and that's not, what the, that's not what his work is here to do. And so we're like, why doesn't God ever say yes? Why doesn't God ever answer my prayer? Well, are you praying in accordance with the Spirit? Are you seeking his kingdom first? Or are you asking him to bless your kingdom? And I don't say that in a condemning way. It's, it's literally a question we have to ask ourselves over and over and over and be honest about. Am I asking God to bless my kingdom or am I asking to serve his kingdom? If we want the power of God present in our lives, then we have to be about serving his kingdom, his way, his rules, what he says. And so in short, if we are amplifying the same thing the spirit is amplifying, that's where we find the power of God. 
Are we using the Spirit's power to amplify the truth of God's kingdom, or are we amplifying the things of the world? And so, there are three things amplified by the Spirit here, sin, righteousness, and judgment. He says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. One of the first things, the first thing that anybody who comes to God in faith, okay, in a spirit of, of, of truth, genuinely seeking God, the first thing that we are going to become aware of as we enter into the presence of the Holy God is our sin. I, I, don't, I don't care if that makes people uncomfortable. I, I, don't, I don't want you to think that, oh, God's always negative. It's just the, the reality of the thing is that we are sinful and he's holy. Have you ever entered into a place woefully underdressed, not knowing it was a formal event? What happens? You become very aware. You can't help it. You're like, walk in, you're like, oh, no. Oh, wow. And you just, you become, you can't help it. Like every fiber of your being suddenly becomes aware that you're out of place. Okay? That multiplied times infinity is what happens when a sinful creature steps into the presence of a holy God. We cannot help but become aware that, oh man, something is, I'm, I'm dirty. This is bad. And we see that over and over in scripture. Every time somebody sees God, what do they do? They don't praise God. They go, oh, I'm dead. First thing. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his robe filled the temple. And his, I mean, he's got this vision of God, and he says, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. But he's like, oh, my sin. Here it is, right here. I see it. Okay? So what is the Holy Spirit? It's the Spirit of God. And as the Spirit of God moves in our world, the first thing that's going to happen always is a conviction of sin. Not to condemnation, but just the reality of it, that it's there. And he says that's the first thing he's going to do, is he will convict the world concerning sin because they do not believe in me. You see, all legitimate spiritual endeavors begin with the realization and confession of our sin before God. All of them. And so if we are so obsessed, if we become obsessed with trying to... to, to be self-righteous, or, or it's about my success, or it's about my happiness, it's about my life, and we want to kind of elevate ourselves for some reason, we're missing the point. The Holy Spirit's not going to do that. The Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, psst, you're sinful. And you see the, the, the kind of dissonance that we have there. If we make it about us, we're going to miss what the Spirit has to say. You see, God is holy. God is the author of life, and the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore the starting point for everyone is the truth that we are at odds with God. Left to ourselves, even if you're born again, okay, you are born again, the power of sin is broken, but if we just follow our own regular human nature, even as Christians, we'll wander, and we will be at odds with God. We will walk away from him. And so before salvation, we are his enemies because of our sin. God did not turn against us. We turned against him. And most in this world are completely blind to this. 
There's a reason that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin. You see, we think we're okay. We think we're good. We think that we are, I mean, we're doing it. We're, we're holding it down. And we, we think that we have the right motives. And you know what Jeremiah says about it is the heart is deceitful above all things. You see, what the Bible says about people and what people believe about people are two very different things. Night and day difference. And so that's why we can't trust ourselves. And we have to listen to the Holy Spirit because we are his enemies because of our sin. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So we have to be convicted. This is why the Holy Spirit will convict the world regarding sin. And we as Christians have to welcome it. Is it pleasant? No. But we do. We as Christians have to be the ones that are willing to go to God and say, God, search me and try me and see if there is any wicked way in me. Trust me, there is. And when we come to God honestly like that, he's going to point it out. And then it's up to us to repent, Give it to God. Say, okay, God, I confess that. My heart is in the wrong place. My mind is in the wrong place. And I give it to you. And God, forgive me. Now, here's the great thing is he does forgive. It's forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. But this is still a truth that we have to hold on to. You see, the Spirit will show the entire world the truth. Some will accept it, the church. Most will not. Understand that. Most will not accept the truth of the conviction of the Holy Spirit regarding sin. They'll justify their sin. They'll try to force the world to join into their sin to prove that it's okay. They'll shake their fist at God about their sin and say, how dare you judge me? Don't tell me that I'm sinful. And we see that in this world over and over. And listen, this... In John 3, 16 through 18, now this starts off as a really, you know, the verse everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Yay! Right? Yay, the gospel. God loves us. He gave his son. That's amazing. And then verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Yay! God's not condemning us, Right? Let's keep going. Verse 18. You ready for this? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Yay. <laughs> but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Whoa. That just got real. See, it's amazing context in scripture when we keep reading. John 3.16 talks about the love of God. Yeah, he gave his son and he did everything that he's going to do. And, and he gave us a path to heaven. And he forgave our sins. And it's this amazing truth. And we keep reading, and he says, yeah, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. You know why? Because you're already condemned. You're already there. Jesus came to a condemned world to set those captives free who would listen to him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, the only way to leave this condemnation is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. There is nothing else we can do. 
There is no other philosophy. There is nothing. There is no work. There is no act of service. There's nothing else that can free us from this condemnation other than faith in Jesus. And so God has told us, I will send the Holy Spirit to convict the world regarding sin because they haven't believed in Jesus. You see what God has done? He said, oh, I'm going to let everybody know they're sinful and that they need to listen to Jesus. One way or another, I'm going to do this. The Holy Spirit will convict the world. So when we get to judgment, which he talks about at the end, nobody will be able to go before God and say, oh, God, I had no idea. Nobody. And I know there are people in this world right now, and maybe even in this room, that are like, oh, but what about those people that never hear about Jesus? They're, They're still condemned. And you know why? Because they're still sinful. It's our sin that condemns us. Our sin. And he says the Holy Spirit will convict. In Romans, he says nature itself speaks enough of God that if a person who's never heard of Jesus genuinely calls out to the God and repent to God in repentance and in faith, guess what? God's going to lead them to Jesus. Right. He is. And talk to missionaries. There are missionaries over and over and over. I have heard so many stories about people in, in unreached countries having dreams in which they see a man in light who had wounds and said, come follow me. And they wake up and they're like, who was that? Because he had life, and I know, and I want to follow him. And they start searching, and guess what? They find Jesus. Amen. You know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit convicting the world concerning sin. And so some will say, well, pastor, I believe in Jesus, so I don't have to worry, right? Well, it's good. That means you're ready for the next thing the Spirit's going to convict us of. And that is Righteousness. You see, in John 16, sin, he says, he will convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. You see, while Jesus was on earth, he taught the truth of God. He taught and modeled true righteousness. Now that he has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, it is now the Spirit's job to teach, model, and convict people of true righteousness. He says, I'm leaving, so this is who you listen to now. Now, he's telling this to his disciples, who would become the apostles, who, as the apostles, would write the New Testament, and the Spirit inspired them and guided them to write the truth that all of creation would need to know in order to know God. And and so we have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God to guide us through the Word of God. And the Spirit of God will use people like me, pastors and teachers, to help teach the Word of God. But, ultimately, it is always the Spirit's job to make it all work. I can't reach into your heart and make you understand this or apply it to your life in a meaningful way. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Only the Spirit of God can affect true change. You see, notice that Jesus is telling this to his disciples who would later become the apostles. And he told them that the Spirit would convict the world of righteousness because he, Jesus, would no longer be seen. And so it is up to us to learn to listen to the Spirit of God through the Scriptures, through others, through pastors and teachers. But here's the catch. Do not ever look 
to a single person as the example and power of righteousness in this world. Amen. Only Jesus gets that allegiance. Amen. Okay? People will let you down. And this is one of those times, listen, I, I can speak from personal experience, there is no hurt like church hurt. When the people of God hurt the people of God, I'm telling you that runs deep. It shouldn't happen, but it does. But so many times people want to give up. Like, well, I, that church did this to me. And you know what? If that, if that is you, I'm sorry that happened. And, and I mean that from the heart. Look, I'm, I can read, we, could, we could have a nice long discussion about how churches have hurt people. Okay? Three and a half years ago when I came here, trust me, I was dragging myself in here not knowing what the future was going to hold. Wondering if God still wanted me in ministry. Okay? But I didn't give up. And I didn't come in and, and hate on you all because of what other people did. You know why? Because my eyes, I just, I try. I, I'm not perfect. I, I fail a lot, but I try to just focus on Jesus. Like, y'all didn't do it. And the people that did, they're not Jesus. And so I got to follow him and trust him to get me through. And when we can learn to separate those two out, that the bride of Christ is not the bridegroom, okay? You are not called to be saved by the church. You are saved by Jesus Christ and him alone. And so if you've been hurt, look, forgive them and move on. God's not done with you yet. And God wants to use you in his kingdom, but to be used in his kingdom means you've got to engage with his people, which means, yeah, there's a chance you're going to get hurt again. Okay? But you know what? People are not God. They're going to let you down. And so we have to learn not to look to people to be perfect. Don't look to people to be God. We've got to be willing to forgive. We've got to give grace to each other. And we've got to learn how to not focus on the, the bad things, amplify the wrong things in this world, but amplify that which is good. And help keep each other focused on what is good. And so we see that the Spirit then is going to convict us regarding our sin and our failures. And is going to convict us regarding righteousness. He's going to teach us how to live. He's going to teach us the good things in life that we need to pursue. But we have to be engaged. And that's why we have up here become a worshiper. Become a student of scripture and prayer. Because without becoming those two things, we don't learn to hear from the Spirit of God. We hear from the Spirit of God through worship, through Scripture, and through prayer. Okay, that's, that's how we learn to hear from it. And it's an interesting thing, okay, because here's what happens is the Spirit starts talking to us, but it's not... It's not the loudest voice you're going to hear, okay? The Spirit of God never starts out as the loudest voice you're going to hear in your life. Now, we want it to be that way. We're like, okay, God, just shout over everything else so that I know it's you. He's like, that's not how this works. What did Jesus say? He says, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's this self-denial thing in there that we've got to learn to block out competing signals. 
You know, how many have ever turned on the radio and it can't decide which station it wants to pull in? That's annoying, isn't it? Or you turn on, how many of you listen to AM radio? You know, it's like a storm. You know, and, and it's, just, it's just noise and it's all this stuff. And you can hear like nine different stations coming in because it's a cloudy night. Something from Canada is coming in and, you know, something from Mexico. <laughs> You're like, what am I listening to here? Do you realize that's what happens to a lot of us in our lives? We have so many competing signals in our lives that we don't know what we're listening to. And it just all comes in at once. And it's all there. And we try to make sense because we just absorb all of it. We just let it all in. And then we're like, I don't know why I can't hear from God. Now, what it is, is we have to choose what is amplified in our lives. What really gets the power source to come into our lives and make a difference? What do we choose to listen to? And sometimes that means we got to learn to shut some things out. And that's what it is when he convicts us of righteousness. He's going to tell us this needs to be amplified. This needs to be de-amplified. You need to turn down the dial on this. Because here's what this is going to be like. See, amplification is a good thing. Right now, my voice is amplified so everybody can hear it. But what if I do... See, that's what our lives are like most of the time. God's speaking. God is always speaking. His word is always speaking. But he's not going to shout over everybody else. You know why? Because he wants our heart and he wants us to listen. And so he says, hey, go turn off the noise. Pay attention. Focus. And listen. And you know what? We do learn. We're like, hey, that's just noise. I need to... I need to remove that from my life because it is keeping me from hearing the voice of God. And you know what? Sometimes it's some strange things. Sometimes it's things we don't even realize. It doesn't always have to be like some overt sin, okay? It's not always something that we're completely rebelling against God. It's just things that are just drowning out God's message. And we have to learn how to listen. And so that's what he tells us. The Holy Spirit is going to teach us the things of God. He's going to, in the place of Jesus. So imagine the Holy Spirit's work is exactly what's going on. When, when Jesus was talking and teaching the disciples, that's what happens with us with the Holy Spirit now. He is the one who will teach us. And here's the good news. He'll teach us things that Jesus didn't even teach his disciples while he was there. Remember, Jesus says, to your advantage that I go. Because with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we are now capable of understanding the truth in a way that we could not before. The Holy Spirit brings our minds to life. It, it, he, he enlightens us. He inspires us. He elevates our thinking to a place where it could not go on its own. But he does it. We can't. We can't make it happen. And so the last thing that he talks about is that it's concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and righteousness, and then he's going to force people to make a choice between the two. 
Which one will you follow? Which one gets priority in your life? Sin or righteousness? And he's going to make you pick a side. And he says, the ruler of this world is judged. Don't you find that it is a judgment because the ruler of this world is judged? What Jesus is doing here is letting us know that there is a kingdom that is of this world that it's going to fall. And he's saying, which one do you want to be a part of? God's kingdom or the kingdom of this world? Which one? You know why? Because the one we're with will get amplified in our lives. It will get amplified. We will, we will serve it. We will give our resources to it. We will give our heart to it. We will sacrifice to it. And only one of them has the ability to give life back when we serve it. The world will take and give nothing back. The kingdom of God gives so that we can then give and then it gives back. And then we give and it gives back. And we continue to serve God in this way. But we have to choose to amplify that in our, in our world, in our lives. And the enemy wants people to think that they can walk on both sides. We can love God and embrace sin. Can't happen. It cannot happen. And so as we follow God, yes, he's going to get in our business. He's going to show us where we're wrong. He's going to show us where we're failing. But not to condemn us, to save us to move us forward, that we become worshipers and students of scripture and prayer and servant witnesses and disciple makers, that we become those people that serve and build his kingdom effectively. Amen. He wants us to grow. And so the Holy Spirit is going to cut straight through the lies of the world and convict us. And notice, he says there are only three things that the Spirit's really, truly going to amplify in this world, sin, righteousness, and judgment. So let me ask you this. Ask yourself, what am I amplifying? And we as a church, what are we amplifying? What message are we sending out to the world? Does it represent the kingdom of God? Does it represent the conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment? If somebody were to, to put a megaphone on our life, you know, we could transcribe it into a, a message that could be seen and, and read. What message is being amplified by your life? So ask, what gets amplified the most? What needs less or even no amplification in your life? We all know it. That's what Jesus meant by deny yourself. We know there are things about ourselves. We know we're sinful, and it's not to condemn, but he's like, hey, if you want to serve me, this has to go. Or you got to at least turn the volume down so low that you can hear me over it and deny yourself. And we understand it'll get out of balance sometimes. That's why we got to confess and come back to God. Because if it gets cluttered with amplified noise that is useless, it will negatively impact our ability to join God in what he is doing. And that's what we're here today to do, to join God in what he is doing. For some, this will mean doing less. Some of you need to do less to create some margin in your life so that you can hear from God. Okay? For others, it means you need to do more. Because God wants us to serve, and we can't just soak up the things of God and do nothing with it. For some, 
It will mean building more relationships, joining the people of God. For others, it's going to learn how to be alone with God. See, I don't know where you're at and, and what needs to be amplified or de-amplified, what, what needs to be turned up, turned down is going to be different for everybody. But it's always going to lead us closer to God if we do it right. And so we will do this by focusing ourselves on what the Spirit amplifies, which is sin, righteousness, and judgment. Ask God about sin in your life. Ask God where you need to be more righteous. What is he calling you to do, to learn, to know, to be? And then look at what it is that he wants you to do regarding judgment in sharing his kingdom with people so they don't have to experience judgment. You see, there's a missional aspect to this. And this is the last thing. I'm going to close with this. But there is a we portion of this. That's why I said we ask, what are we amplifying? Because we're, what we are amplifying here at Grace Family Fellowship, I mentioned our four pillars, discipleship, worship, fellowship, and evangelism. But look at Jesus said right before his ascension in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power. What is that? That's amplification. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when that happens, it's for a purpose. What is it? To be my witnesses. See, it's not power just so that we can do whatever we want. So that we can take it and enjoy it for ourselves. He says, it's for my kingdom, it's for my purposes, and you'll be my witnesses throughout the world. Is your life a witness to the power of God right now? If it's not, we've got a step to take. Now, that's not con condemning you. All of us have to go through this process of growing. We, we all have to become a worshiper. We have to, and, we, and it's never-ending. It's just kind of a circle. We just kind of keep going through and keep growing and keep becoming more. Maybe I know how to worship, but I could become a better worshiper. And when God convicts me of that, the truth of that, that righteousness is, hey, you need to worship better. You need to come a little closer to me. I, okay, God, I'll listen to that. But when that happens, God's power becomes active. That's how we find God's power in our lives. See, that's how we find his power, and walk in his power. We don't ask God to make our lives work. We give our lives to him and work for him, and that's when his power becomes active. So I want to ask you for 2024, what are you amplifying? We're going to go through what it means to amplify. We're going to look at what Jesus amplified. We're going to look at sin and what's amplified in that and how we, we deal with temptation we're going to look at, at evangelism and what it means to amplify the message of God in this world. We're going to spend a year looking at what it means to amplify the right things for God. Because God has told us certain things to do. One of those is, of course, to have the Lord's Supper together. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we need to remember, we need to amplify the cross above everything else. We need to amplify the gospel and what Jesus did always because without the gospel we have nothing and so he tells us 
And Paul repeats it in 1 Corinthians. He tells us, as often as you do this, you're proclaiming the death of the Lord until he comes. He wants us to remember this corporately, that we are not here because of who we are. We're here because of who he is and what he did on the cross. And so the night before his crucifixion, he gathered with his closest disciples. And they celebrated the Passover meal. And Jesus revealed that he himself was the eternal, the God-given Passover lamb who would take away the sins of the world. That the angel of death, the second death, the judgment of God would pass over his people because of the death of the Lamb of God. See, a judgment is coming. And the Holy Spirit will convict us of it that is concerning judgment. The ruler of this world is judged. That kingdom will fall. And all who are in that kingdom will face the judgment of having been a part of the rebellion against Almighty God. And he will show no mercy at that time. The time for mercy is now. Because of what Jesus did. And Jesus started that by giving his life on the cross as a payment for our sin. And so he took the bread and he announced it ahead of time. And he says, this bread is my body which shall be broken for you. And after he had taken the bread, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant, a covenant of grace, which shall be given for you. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. So together we take of the bread. And we drink of the cup. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And God, we pray that our lives would be about amplifying your goodness, your grace, your righteousness. That our service would amplify your kingdom. God, that we would learn how to de-amplify the wrong signals, our own desires that are contrary to you. God, that we would learn to listen and heed your voice, however much of a whisper it may be, however hard it may be to hear at times. God, I pray that we would never give up and we would, would commit ourselves to hearing your voice, to following your voice, to following the lead of your spirit. God, we give this year to you. We give 2024 as the year that we will amplify the kingdom of God in ways that we never have before. God, I pray that you bless the efforts of everybody in here as we seek to amplify your kingdom, God. We pray that you would be glorified in that and that you would use it to reach people with your gospel, to transform lives. Not only the lives in here, but the lives that will be impacted outside this room, God. The lost, those who don't know you. That you would lead us to them. That we could share your kingdom with them. And see your kingdom grow. That that would be our heart's desire. God, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray together. Amen.